on some sort of device. What you are about to hear is the People's Pitch Podcast, the official podcast of your third place in the Western Conference, Minneapolis City SC. I am John, and joining me by my side is my weekly soccer, Alfred J. Pennysworth, Mr. Nate Morales. Nate, first off, did you get that reference? Yeah, that's, it's Batman's, it's just straight Pennyworth. That's Batman's butler. All right. Yeah. Um, but uh, now what? The, the season, now what? The season's over, man. Now what? Now I wake up in the middle of the night weeping quietly. Just, now, just in the fetal <laughs> position, sweating, uh, pink yep. tears. <laughs> now I fill the void, man, with whiskey and like an unhealthy interest in Minnesota-born college soccer players yeah, see, as they my, enter into their seasons. Right. And my tears are throwback blue. So, um, yeah, man, you know, it's, uh, we're over. It doesn't mean that this, this organization's hits stop, right? So we have yep. so many things that are going on. Um, we'll get, we'll get into some of those, but there's, there's many more things to be had. We'll talk a little bit about what the podcast is going to do, uh, at the end, as far as, uh, we don't need to be talking weekly about, <laughs> whose favorite EPL team won or shit the bed. Right. As we get right. in, um, there's other podcasts for that. There's other podcasts for that. We don't need to be talking yeah. um, to Matt Elder and Andy and Engel and Wexler, who are in town um, every week. So we'll uh, we'll adapt things, um, but we'll, we'll get into that later. But we're we're almost out of time on the soccer parking meter. Uh, before we do that, we're gonna you know get to some things that we have to cover off still. So like our final match this past weekend against Woodbury United. We'll do a quick look into the PLA, uh, PLA playoff picture. You do such a great job of doing that rundown. <laughs> and, we'll, and we'll do a little end-of-the-year recap. And what we mean by recap is the thoughts on the organization, you know, how things went, the big wins for, for the organization, maybe even the big wins on the, on the field. Teachable moments, we talked about them. So might as Always well, teachable moments. Might as well talk about those and, and how we kind of overcame some. Next steps, what do we do now? Like we just said, now what? Mm-hmm. Talk about a little review of the coaching staff, you know, run down, you know, what we saw and kind of the, you know, the hurdles they had to climb and how they did. And then players, right? The unofficial People's Pitch Awards, um, as well as the random breakdown of each individual player. We'll, we'll go through uh, our young player of the year, most improved, surprise player of the year, um, and then our overall team MVPs for um, not just the general MVP, but offensive player of the year, defensive player of the year. Um, and then, you know, we'll talk a little bit about uh, what the organization will do for awards later as well. But let's just dive right in, Nate, unless there's anything else you want to say before we get in. No, man, let's do this. All right. So you were there in attendance. I was on the oh, bench uh, yeah. doing my doing my civic duty. <laughs> yeah, I had a great I had a great time in the stands, man. So you said you were around, uh, basically, give, give me a breakdown of what, what you saw from your, your side of things and who was, well, who was there and whatnot. It felt like family night for Minneapolis City. I got uh, sat right near Sam Wells' parents and his sisters. Um, 
I think the Hoof family was there. I saw Goose and his parents were back there behind me. Uh, the elders were there as usual. They loved to show up. Duncan's uh, parents were there. Duncan's parents were there. The and family there was Forsgren. Yep, the four. I definitely saw the youngest Forsgren. You could definitely, you can tell they all look fairly similar. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was it was definitely family night, uh, which is funny for being an away game. But we had everyone's parents come out to see him. I think part of it had to do with, like, a lot of these kids either played out in St. Croix, and that's that part of town. I know Connor and his family were there, too. Yep. So, like, Will's family was there, like, always. Of town, or, like, they went to high school at East Ridge. So yep. they all, like, I know Samuel, his family lives in Woodbury. So, anyway, it was it was an easy game for everyone to show up to, and I'm glad. I'm glad we, sh- we gave him some fireworks. They probably had, uh, Samuel's family probably had a killer tailgate at their pregame party at their house, right? Like, <laughs> so, hopefully, you'd just, hope so. They're, just they're, traditional Spanish cooking as far as just, the eye can see. Yeah, hope That would be awesome. Maybe right. you can invite me next time. Yeah, well, I mean, we he and I had things to do, but obviously you and the family could have totally gone. Right, right. But, but you were also donning your throwback jersey and and i, I heard you yell a, a comment about my coaching style and i turned around and to see you holding an umbrella to shade the sun wearing well your, your throwback jersey like a like a like a flapper my family is pale <laughs> i'm not but i have to protect my family right <laughs> but then uh, so yeah i had the throwback jersey on olin had the uh the factory direct double extra small yeah, uh, away kit that was a, like a special order that took them two months to process and two months to, to deliver. So that was nice to have finally for, for one game. It comes from many bodies of water away. So, um, <laughs> but you know, and we also had a great, a great contingent of the, the citizens actually mm. who posted up right behind the United bench and just Perfect. gave them hell the entire <laughs> game. Like, I loved it. It was so great. Like, and the best- it was, they were contagious, man. Cause even, even on our side, when they started stomping around, we were stomping too. The parents got into it. It was, uh, it was definitely, they set the tone. They did, and and we'll get into that with our teachable moments, right? Because mm-hmm. that was one of our first ones ever. Um, and I want to, I definitely want to hit on that. But I thought the best thing that came out of the supporter section was kind of in like a crucial moment of stoppage in the in the second half. When one of their one of their players got fouled by the bench and he came off to get water and it was silent and you just hear a random voice go, "Hey, number twenty three, seen any good movies lately?" And I just <laughs> I lost it. I I'm, I look over at Jeremy and Adam and I'm thinking, that <laughs> that's got to be hashtag Mitch. It, it was definitely Mitch. I, I I talked to him after the game. It was it was totally him. But it was just the the ran, most random thing, and all the things they were saying were funny. Um, you know, and, and obviously in a good hearted fun, but that one really got me cause it had nothing to do with anything. Um, and then the guy just kind of looked up as he drank his water thinking like, who are these fools? Um, <laughs> so, but anyways, let's get into the game. So the final score three to three goals, 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 uh, from mm-hmm. both sides, you know, it was our last game of the year, pride on the line and our chance to finish in third place with the result. So we needed a point and we got it. And that was kind of the the takeaway from our locker room speech in the beginning of the game was we cannot, we cannot lose this game. We said that three games in a row and what has happened? We have lost two of those. So this is our last opportunity to put the badge, the, put the badge on and play hard and really bookend this season. And I thought the, um, the guys did well. Um, you know, we, uh, 
we got a chance, you know, to 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 show what we were made of. We dug our patented classic us hole right away, getting <laughs> up a goal what in like the first fifteen. Easy, yeah, if that. And just came out flat. And you know, Jeremy looks at me and he's shaking his head. You know, he talks about how soccer is fun and it's a gift. And then he, of course he said, "I hate soccer. It sucks. It's so you know, it's so painful." <laughs> Um, blaming him, blaming himself for what he considered a lackadaisical warm up, which I didn't think so. I thought the guys were kind of buzzing around. So, um, so yeah, so we dig our hole right away and, you know, we go down early again and then, you know, kind of what led into that from what I saw. And I'd like to hear kind of what you saw. Cause I talked to some people who got a different perspective from being higher up. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, it started with mistakes in the back line. We um we talked about being a little bit more direct, like we were like we talked about it against Cedar Rapids last week. And we saw it, you know, a few times with us getting direct and going forward, and that's when we cr- we started to create some something and we started to get our energy back. But yeah. it was the it was the the side to side passes that maybe got a weird high bounce on the turf and it was the same stuff over and over again. And that's what I saw. What did you see? Yeah, I thought the same thing. I think uh it it's always an adjustment for us. When we play on a field like, like not, we do, and when we go to a yeah. pristine, the same thing happened in Cedar Rapids. Same thing happened. Uh, well, that was pretty much it. It didn't happen in Madison. Fields. Which well, is it didn't happen service. in Madison. That's yeah. true. I mean, we, but I mean, we did. We did get scored on a couple times too in Madison. Mm, right. I think that we we have a hard time adjusting to to a, a pristine field where passes can get zipped around. I feel like the seven guys. Uh, that like kind of man the back part of the center mid and the defense, they kind of get stuck together in a blob. They're trying to all, um, I don't know. I feel like they're, they allow some really well, well delivered long balls to be dangerous. That's what happened early. That's kind of what happened in the second half too. Like they get, they coagulate in the middle of the field and all of a sudden we forget that the field is wider than it is at home. It's longer. When, and it's longer. And it's like there's a lot more room than you think there is, guys. And they get beat around the edge pretty easily. Yeah. And I think I think um your your take on the, the midfield and the and the back line kind of being connected, um, and more so connected in our ba- our our defensive third. Um, mm-hmm. the next thing I saw was the fact that there was a large gap again between our, our, our attacking minded players and our defense and our midfield. So there was this weird like gap where, yeah. uh, again, you see a guy like uh, our, um, our target forward was Matthew Gway this game, um, with Andy on the bench and the same thing. It didn't matter. You, you could have put Andy in and he would have done the exact same thing. Like he always does. So yeah, we talk like, about that all the time that like, yeah. it's too bad that Andy kind of ends up alone on an Island and lo and behold, Gway was alone on an island out yeah. there. It didn't really matter who he had. Right, and part of that kind of accumulated into us not having anything going forward. Mm-hmm. And it was really frustrating. And they and the I'll, I'll give the reserves some credit. They brought it, you know, they they wanted it. They and you know, they they didn't want to lose that game and they fought really hard and and it was a totally different team that from what I saw. I mean, same same relative players, but different attitude and different mentality from the first time we played them. Yeah, that's a surprise. I, I actually had that same note that it felt like a different team. Yeah, so um, you know we go down one nothing. Um, 
you know, I was up off the bench barking orders. Jeremy was up off the bench. Adam was up off the bench. And it seemed like every five minutes it was a different uh, player in a different level of the field for us saying, you need to be doing this because you're doing that and it's not working or there's, there's no energy. And after the first goal, you know, I thought elder did a good job of rallying the troops, you know, which is tough for a goalie being that you just got scored on, but you know, he was trying to motivate the guys, you know, on corner kicks, making a, you know, diving to make a save to, to keep a ball out of the net and to go wide for a corner. And he's the first guy up barking, like, we got to get better. We got to do this. We got to do that. Um, and then I kind of mentioned something to AO, like, Dude, you got it's so quiet out there. Like when you It was. It was really quiet. Really quiet. We don't have a whole lot of talkers on the team. We have a we have a couple of them. Um, <laughs> it we, makes interviews hard too. Right. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> so we I mean, you're not going to you're not going to lean on a guy like Will to be the vocal leader. He's going to lead by example with his with his play. And same with the guy like Samo. He's not really and Wexler. They're not talkers and, you know, uh, even AJ, AJ, AJ leads by example. Like those other guys do, they lead by their their play on the field. And it was quiet, and, and AO is the type of guy that you can lean on on the field. And and uh, I thought he did a good job of kind of getting the guys going. But um, yeah. then all you know, we're we're talking on the bench with as a coaching staff, and we're saying you know like, and, and I told Jeremy, I said you know I'm gonna go into the locker room and I'm gonna I'm gonna get angry. I'm gonna <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not gonna point fingers and talk about. You know, we're in a weird locker room where, you know, or the locker rooms are a half mile away. And I'm not going to talk about the intangibles. I'm going to talk about the fact that we are not doing what we said we needed to do. And it's our last chance to do it. And we need to fire up and do it. And they punch us in the face and we need to respond to either punch them back in the second half or, you know, to to lose this game. Again, a must win game. And lo and behold... The tides change. <laughs> I saw yeah, AJ. I saw AJ start to get forward for the first time, um, truly being that box-to-box center midfielder, where he was pushing the guys in front of him forward, which was great to see because then we were closing that gap with our offense. Um, we made a tactical switch of putting Will Kidd underneath Matthew Gway and moving Wexler out wide. And, yes, um, and that I, was something we learned we could do a couple games ago. Yep, and I, I thought um, Will, I will get to when we start talking about the goals, um, I thought that was you know a, a stroke of genius. I won't take credit for it, um, but <laughs> it was a collective decision that we were like, Will's the only one who has energy right now, and where are we losing the ball most? Underneath right. Matthew. So mm-hmm. let's change that. And what that did was it took the, the play that Matthew had um, – where he was, his movement was dynamic. He was strong on the ball. He was hard to knock o- knock off the ball, which is are things that we've seen, but not a, a lot of glimpses of it. And I thought it was, this was his best game. I thought, um, and then the engine that Will had was pressing their back line. So all the work that Matthew was doing to try to find the ball, Will was on the other side of the coin doing that on the defensive end right away from our ba- our forward line. Yeah. Um, then. Samo started to get forward instead of sideways. Connor started to press on the wing, and then things started to happen. Yeah, I think those are all great changes. Um, Connor looked meek kind of early. He was a little I nervous. He, I think he was a little nervous. His yeah, first, I mean he's, he's young. He's young. It was his second start. He was at home, like we talked about. So yep, yep. So he wasn't, uh, you know, he wasn't really challenging on his side hard. He was getting beat pretty bad um, as the first line of defense down that side. 
I think Sambo was a little too sad to side, and his dad, his dad, his dad would agree with me. I his heard dad his dad. Behind, his dad was behind me, screaming the whole time. Arriba, Sambo, Arriba, trying to get him up, 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 move yeah. up the damn field, basically. <laughs> uh, and then that left, like we said, Gway was just kind of alone up top, like like Andy Laurie tends to be. Right. So then the outcome of that pressure um, and the and the change that we made with um, with moving Will in the middle. Um, resulted in again us creating quality chances, which came off um, with our first goal, um, kind of a link-up play with Will and Matthew, um, where where Matthew really strong on the ball and just kind of a, a never die attitude. Well, he powered that thing in like took him two or three kicks to get it out of it past was, the goal, the keeper. But right, it was definitely just it. pure determination and him making. I, I thought he made a really dynamic run. Um, in between two defenders and a little slip through slotted pass from Will um, that that sprung him free and he scored his goal. So then we're we're tied, okay? So when we have energy and uh, the guys were starting to get into it, and then mm-hmm. the Saint Croix connection strikes. Yeah, where, I loved uh, it. I thought it was so great. It was everything about it had just stunk of Saint Croix. Uh, you know, like U sixteen days where <laughs> Will. Will Dropped back from his forward position into the middle to receive the ball. Did a great turn around his defender and slotted a nice pass to um, through the channel to Samo. Who and I thought Samo was going to shoot. Yep, I did too. I absolutely did. And he had an opportunity to score. Gave a quick glimpse to the back post. Found Connor. Slots the ball through to Connor. Connor Perfect. scores. Connor scores the goal. Yeah. Exact, the exact type of goal that we should score. Right. Great vision. Great vision. Link up play. Like just smart passing, and that that's about as the the textbook definition of effective possession as you can have. And that's why Samuel was on our team. That's what we needed was effective possession out of someone. Right. So so then we go. We're up two to one, and now we're like the super buzz is on. Right. Like we're every like the, the <laughs> like fan, this is gonna happen. We're making this happen. We're making this happen. We're like we've 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 flipped the switch back to the 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 first game we played against them when we hit our high. Right. Yep, and and then it didn't end there. Will Kidd again was involved in a great holdup play, where a ball comes into him, and I thought it was a, kind of a bad pass into him, a little too too much weight on it, really hard. Yeah. Great first touch to just to have a nice little soft back back pass to Wexler, who comes through and hammers home the third goal and the final goal of uh, of the game for us um, against his old team. So it was like. Yeah. All the stars were aligning. The kids from from St. Croix score a goal together. Matthew scores a goal with pure determination and off of a great run. Wexler scores against his old team. Patented don't celebrate against your old squad. Um, (laughs) Yeah, man. Nothing wrong with that. I think that, like, I think it might be something that when you're in the stands, it, it feels different than when you're on the field. I'm sure there's a lot more that you see down there. Yeah. But goddamn, I wanted someone to just rip one from distance all season, mm-hmm. and it's something that we just haven't had. And I'm sure there's always guys in the way, or there's always you know you always want to take that extra touch to make sure you're you're getting the right angle on it. But yeah. he just disintegrated that ball, <laughs> <laughs> and I loved it. I thought, thank God, someone someone finally just lined the thing in from from deep. But what I liked about it is all three goals were thanks to moving the ball forward and right. shooting when you have the opening, right? And it's okay direct. to be selfish. Yeah, yeah, be direct and be selfish. There was a time, I think Will, Will had, before you moved him to the middle in the first half, Will had the ball 
um, coming down the right wing. And he was one-on-one with the guy. And he should have just broke that dude down. He should have just wrecked him. But instead, he looked to pass it off, and he ends up giving it over right in the middle of the field back to the, back to the reserves. And I thought, dude, should have just shot it. And yeah. finally, we started shooting it. I loved it. We got a teachable moment for us for next season. You don't have to always pass the ball into the goal. You can, you can shoot it. <laughs> so um, we go into halftime, and like I said, our halftime speech changed. It changed into soccer is fun now. We're all having a great time. Let's just go out there and keep doing it. And, um, you know, we as a, as a staff kind of felt a little bit like maybe we're a little too lackadaisical with our halftime talk. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and it being the last game, we promised all the guys to get in. So the changes started to happen in the second half. And then, of course, what do we say? The worst thing that can happen is for us to let down and let, let them score a goal right away. And what did they do? Let right down. Away. They scored a goal right away. Then they come up back and score another goal. And it's just like, this cannot be happening. Then it went from soccer's fun to soccer sucks again. Like, oh, this is, so, <laughs> this is the worst. Why do I do this? Yeah, it's well, like golf. Yeah, it, it is. It, it's a lot like <laughs> golf. Like, man, man, I actually hit the fairway off the tee this time, and then I duff my second shot into the woods. <laughs> Could have done that the first time. <laughs> now I'm down. Now I'm down three strokes with a penalty. You know, so we we dug ourselves the hole again, and it was just like, God, not again. So as <laughs> as the, the the changes started to happen, we started to see um, you know a couple a couple um, bright spots with the changes that we had. Um, we just gave up silly chances, and I thought uh, we yeah. made the, the the decision to split the keepers at half um, to get them each equal minutes in the last game. So Matthew started, or uh, uh, Matt Elder started, and then Duncan came on at halftime. Um, and and you could just it seemed like there was like visible nerves from at least down pitch side. I don't know what you saw. Yeah, I, I agree. I think that you know Duncan was quiet. I think he lacked some decision making in the box. I think there were there was even a time when he came, he definitely misread the ball, came out and was like he had to end up standing like right against the right in the last like inches of the the goal line where he waiting for the ball to hopefully get to him before the player running at him got to the ball. Like that was a dangerous moment where he could have given up yet another goal. Right. Um, but and I think that- you know just there were a lot of times on corners on. Um, you know, crosses into the box where he was he was not as vocal as I think we would have liked to see him, and nobody really knew if they should go for it, if he was going to end up for it, if he knew where the ball was. I think the communication back there was uh, lacking. Well, and like, you know, for a guy like him with his size, it's like you must vaporize forwards that come into your area. <laughs> like you need to like make turn them into dust. Yeah. Just run through them because you're such a big dude. Um, and, you know, then, of course, Classic Duncan makes, like, two reaction saves that are, like, goal saves. Awesome. Yes, oh. awesome saves. And you're like, why can't you couple that with just the attitude of, like, I own this box and all who come into this box not wearing my team's color must die. Yes, you know, that's like, exactly what I was thinking is, like, why is he you know, hanging back? And hoping someone else makes a play on this ball, get the get out there and yep. punch the shit out of it. Right. So, but he so he, he kind of got into the game a little bit, and then he started to do that, which was great. So, then it was a whole lot of like humping a doorknob, like <laughs> back and forth, <laughs> just like half-hearted chances. 
And then we, we made our final sub of uh, Lori coming on from Matthew Gway up top. And Andy, we by design, um, just burned out. A lot of soccer. Yep. Um, and we, you know, he said, I got, I, got, I got a good 20 minutes in me. So we put him on 20 minutes in. Um, and then came our last-ditch effort, uh, corner kick. Oh. And I, I just leaned over to Jeremy and I said, here's where we get one back, coach. And lo and behold the stars are aligning where the ball popped in and he goes up to head it, heads it towards goal, bounces underneath the goal, the diving goalkeeper off the post game ends. Um, like it was right there. It was like when the Bavarians hit the post against us in Milwaukee in the first game, like, <laughs> yep. just, like just, we were just hanging on for dear life. Like, I, like that's it. it. It felt like, an appropriate metaphor for the season. It really you know? did. Just like, a wet fart. Like, yep. oh, not, not, not like a, but just like <laughs> we, we weren't too sure what to expect in this game. We end up kind of getting behind. Coming we back. We come on strong. We, we come into ourselves, right? And then we give it all away like we did in the second half of the season. And we end <laughs> up, we end up with a draw. That's why soccer is a gift. It giveth mm-hmm. and it taketh away. Ah, so, so what do we take away from this game? What do you take away from like the last game of the season? Like what's, how do you, how do we walk away from this thing and not just go like, well, that happened. All right. See you next year. Right. I think, I think we want to look at like the United reserves got better and they, I think, I feel like maybe we we underestimated them for sure going into this game, considering how bad they were when we ran into them the first half of the season. Um, But also with this, with this game, I thought it was great to see some players that we don't get much of a look at. Um, Hoof had some significant play time. Connor, of course, uh, scoring that goal was great. I think you could, again, reinforce that E-Man, uh, Emmanuel he Brown, great. he played great. Is, it can hold down his side of the field no problem. Uh, I thought, and, uh, I thought um, even Steve came on and played great, too. Like our, well, our, did. our bench, once again, played played great. Yep, and Jack. Good to see Jack again on the field one last time. So here at the end of the season, it, it, it got kind of clear that the scouting report was out on us. You beat mm-hmm. us up top. You know, I think over the last few games where we've struggled, we got beat up top over and over and over again. Somebody figured it out. Um, and we just have a hard time adjusting to teams gumming up the middle. And then playing our, that long ball. Yep, yep, because our wingers are reluctant to, to bomb in. So if they can gum up the middle and counter with a long ball, um, you know, there's not a lot. There, were, there isn't a lot. We didn't really have an answer to that. Right. So for us, finally, like in this game and in the season, success came when we moved forward together. Move forward together and three to four guys up top to take some initiative. Right. So we end we end the season uh what was it three, three, and three? Three, four, and three, three, three wins. Well, three, three, and four. Three, three, we had four losses. Ten games. I don't know how it works, but th- four draws. Uh, yeah, so we had four draws, three losses, three wins. Yep. Um, there, th- there is such the first season that we have. So, yeah. might as well get into a uh, little PLA news. Let's, yeah, uh, so let's talk about what's good happening. To make the playoffs, but we yeah. knew that uh, we knew that last week that we were out. Um, so it's set, man. We've got Toledo and RWB Adria from the east, and the Bavarians and Crapids from. The West, uh, the number one seed plays the number four seed, so that means Toledo plays Crapids or, or Adria? Crapids. Crapids. Yeah. And then, so Bavarians and Adria. Yep. So the semifinals are going to be on Saturday and the finals on Sunday. So this is a one-weekend tournament. 
Yep, and um, it's going to be streamed live. So, and not like our type of stream, like a good like one, a real one, <laughs> a real one, <laughs> not like a high school kid who's got a GoPro. Yep. Um, even though he did a great job throughout the season. Um, yes, thank you. Good, good. Uh, even good keeping up with the players. It's kind of hard. Yeah, to like right. know who's who, especially when you're coming in in so, this league. So, we'll John, post... who do you who do you think it's going to be then? Who's winning? Who's winning it all? Well, we'll post um, the link to the stream so everyone can follow our Twitter feed. We'll we'll put it out there. Oh, that would be nice. Um, but I feel like hell has to freeze over for it not to be Toledo versus Bavarians. Like, come on, give us like one versus one. Um, you know, in, in the final, and and yeah. how, however, I could see. Uh, a team like Adria catching a Bavarian team that's looking past this game into the amateur national finals. Yeah, they've got their own. They've got their own tournament that they're doing really well in, right? Right. What's well, the side of the PLA? Yeah, I mean, it's the amateur chan- It's the amateur semifinals, and it's the following weekend. So it's like, what do you? What do you do? Do you? What do you focus on? Yeah. What do you focus on? So I, I could see that happening. Like, do they? Do they play a full team and roll the dice of burning them out for the final and then for next weekend? The following weekend, I mean, or do they play like a different squad in our tournament versus that tournament? So it's like, who do they who do they bring? I think they're going to play. They got strong players no matter who they are. So I I hope I, I have my hands together right now in prayer fashion that it's going to be Toledo versus the Bavarians. I, I really want to see that. Um, yeah. However, uh, Crapids could play the spoiler rule because of their style of play, right? Yeah, they, they're fast, man. They they're moving in and out. Um, they, they got some. That that Gordy, he's a he's a dick, but man, that guy's bad. <laughs> I mean, outside of the fact that the guy is kind of a jerk, um, they finish their chances mm-hmm. and they create them. They may they may create their chances via an unorthodox avenue, but they create them and they finish them. So you could also see Adria making a, a return trip back to the finals. So who knows? We will see. Um, so. So that's that's TBD. We'll cover we'll cover what happens. Um, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, on that next week uh, in our in our next week's show. But um, let's talk end of the season recap. Let's let's yeah, let's, let's put a let's put a bow on on year one. Let's bring it back home. So uh, as guys are shifting gears to either back to college or going to college for the first time or just life after city. Um, you know, as as older semi pros, that doesn't mean we have to, right? No, it does let's not. recap. Let's recap how this stuff went. Um, some organizational thoughts. I think we came out of the gate really strong. I think we found out that we had a lot to learn, but it was all totally worth it. Yeah, I, I mean, first and foremost, awesome summer, right? Like, I I couldn't have drawn this up if if you know if I was given the stencil. Um, you know, there, and like you said, there's, there's some, some things that sucked, like the crappy travel schedule. We had back to back going to Iowa and Milwaukee with, you know, 18 guys limping into the, that one zero loss against the Croatians, which should have been a win, which would have actually probably put us into the, into the tournament, to be honest with you. (laughs) Um, the player movement that we constantly had with either guys leaving, um, or trying out and bringing in new guys and just being a new organization, to our famous home pitch or infamous home pitch, um, but overall we we over we overcame my expectations and, and despite some bad bounces, we finished third place, which is great. Yeah, hang the head high, right? Yep, yep. Hold your head high. Yeah. Well, hang or hold, whatever you want to do with it. <laughs> 
we had some, and then we we had some big wins along the way, man. And there are definitely a season's worth of them. I think starting with you know our home win, uh, the comeback win against Madison was one of my favorite moments. We'll talk about that later. Uh, you know, it was great to see these guys actually being able to produce on the field. Just you know, even though we we pumped them up and we're very uh, potentially overconfident leading leading coming up into the season. It's nice to see that they the talent we had delivered on that. Well, right. We coined the phrase, you know, professionally amateur TM. That was <laughs> ours. And I thought we, we really held that true to form the whole season. But I felt the ability to draw this level of young talent and veteran leadership will only make us dangerous going forward into year two, no, now knowing what to expect, right? Yep, yep. Because we had no idea. Like, we knew personally i knew what the bavarians were going to bring and you know we you can rewind back to the early episodes i don't think i was wrong you can correct me uh no uh i knew what we were going to get with the croatians i knew we were mm-hmm. going to get with madison crapids was kind of an outlier um and we knew what the reserves were right and we and there were no, there were no real surprises yeah i guess i mean i think once we started playing these teams there was a little bit of a surprise. Even Madison managed to surprise us with, with their ability to pick us apart on set pieces. Mm-hmm. But it was great because these guys leading into the season mostly hadn't really played together. None of them, and, really. I mean, right, outside of A few play. of them grow, yeah, growing up. But, like, next year they're going to be more experienced. And for those that come back, they're, they're going to be more comfortable with each other. Yeah, and I think on the field, I thought that our big win was our, our first ever win, uh, our first win against Minnesota United. That was when we, we put in some goals started to kind of puff the chest out and play our own game, which we knew how to play. And we showed what we were kind of made of at that point. And I think that was a, a real big turning point in the season that that showed us, like, you know what? If we really just get our act together, like, top to bottom, organization-wise and on the field, we really have a shot at making the playoffs in our first mm-hmm. year. And maybe, you know, shocking some people that thought we were just a bunch of loudmouths, you know, on social media. Yeah, and I mean, we talk about teachable moments a lot, joking around a little bit, kind of halfway. But th- we had a few of them, right? I think the f- you know the first one being that we were a young base, right? I mean, seventy five percent of our roster I was looking at today um, is under the age of twenty one, so that's oh. that's pretty big, right? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, and we went up against grown ass men, so we have this young base of players in this league. And we found that, you know, we were in need of that cohesion between our younger players and our older players because they hadn't played together. And the older guys can adapt to playing with whoever as long as they're good at soccer, right? Mm-hmm. And it was it was getting these younger guys, you know, letting them know that they're good enough to be there and they need to continue to get better and then to get better together. Yeah. Getting that, that confidence into yeah. them was uh, was very important. Yeah, I thought the next thing was our fan base. It's kind of an unknown, like, you know, we're a new team, like, you know, we have Minnesota United, um, their first team in our in our backyard. We have the reserves in our front yard. You know, who who are we in, in this town and who's gonna come watch us play? And I thought that, you know, yeah, does ha- anyone even give a shit? Right. And I thought that ha- having who we who f- they I mean they found us, right? And when we did some PR to get people, you know, to get out there in the community and you know, we did the camps and we did a couple of other things and you know, it, I thought the greatest thing was that 
we started with this fan group that had no they i mean they didn't know what they were going to be either and we had a teachable <laughs> teachable moment in Milwaukee where we talked about it at length on the podcast where you know we thought maybe things didn't go the best and they completely changed it around and i thought we're like one of the biggest bright spots of the season it, yes. and and i talked to some of the players too and they're like um you know having a group of people who i who have no idea who i am and i've never really talked to them outside of maybe some of the the organization events singing a song about me like that's what that's that's the stuff that happens in the pros that's a, that's mm-hmm. a professionally amateur piece of what we have here we have like a total amateur team we have a total amateur supporters group but they're acting like pros right um, yeah i thought that was great um and and we need you know the last thing i have is is we need more we realized as an organization we need more help to do this because we ran successful men's league teams and it was more of like you get the guys on the field and then you just play soccer and it wasn't yeah. a lot of the back of the house stuff and with that said you know there's there's a lot of love that we need to shout out to a few people that helped along the way i think our intern staff of you know christian and ashley and nate and leslie um i thought they did great just being there on game day helping out um i thought derek who is a Stegman's member who, um, you know, has a connection with South where we mm-hmm. played, you know, was, was there putting in the work, you know, helping unlock the stadium, get the audio ready, you know, those little things that you don't think of. And then of course, Sarah, who stepped in and really helped from an admin perspective, um, you know, get our merchandise in order and help us manage the interns and just the little things that we weren't expecting that we, we couldn't do by ourselves. And then of course the citizens, like I mentioned, like without them, it, I think it, like all of these folks, it would have been a really hard summer. Yeah, that's for sure. Um, I don't know. Thanks to them. It was great to show up and have the, the game day experience be what it was because of them. Well, now we don't necessarily have just throwback jerseys. We also have, throwback chants and <laughs> <laughs> you know we, we yeah, have we've got all. some history behind us we do right some real history right so what's now that now that the season's over uh what's next man like what as an organization what is minneapolis city looking to accomplish uh here in the off season well i think the first step is for all of us to get to get to go back to our families from all the time we took away from them <laughs> right um, yeah but no, um, in all, all seriousness, the number one goal in my eyes is to get this group back for another year, plain and simple. Yep. Like, yeah, we're going to lose a few, a few pieces. We have to replace. It happens with every team. But we really have to get this group back. And, you know, uh, there's no other important piece for me. You know, it's, yeah, we need to find a new field. Yeah, we need, you know, to re-enlist the help of people who were involved this past year from an organizational standpoint. But we just need to take what we learned in year one and all these little teachable moments and 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 look back at what did we do to fix them and now we know the unknown. So let's just get out there and then, then let's go win win our division and and make the playoffs next year, right? Yeah, so yeah, so speaking of getting this group back together, I think that leads into Two big questions that I have, and I think these are probably on the mind. This is probably on the minds of the fans too. Uh, first of all, when do the signings for next season start? When are we going to start hearing about guys that are are with us? So, as far as the players are concerned, I'm I'm currently in the process of doing individual one-on-one exit interviews with each of them, and that's part of the process is for us to find out and to discuss with these guys and with the coaching staff um, as we begin to draw the plan for the off season and next year, like who's coming back. 
right? Like yep. we need to know like what went well, what didn't go well. And part of the reason why I, I'm conducting them is so that they're fully transparent, right? Uh, you know, I'm not going to relay, you know, like Duncan said this, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to do that. But mm-hmm. I'm going to do is, is kind of aggregate that feedback to only make us better so that we're continuing to draw these great players. So as far as signings go, I don't think you're going to see any of that happening in the n- near future. But from the early indicators, there's not a whole lot of guys, none in fact that I've talked to so far, that don't want back next year. And I think you kind of heard some some of the same sentiment from the parents. Yep. Yeah, everyone seems pretty excited for what we've accomplished and for the opportunities that we have afforded them and their their kids or mm-hmm. even the guys as players really appreciate it. So right. that's, pretty, I, that's pretty good to hear. Right, it's great to hear. And I think us coming out uh, of, of the gates, making this team uh, a destination for players who are coming back from Division One soccer elsewhere or just college soccer in general, guys like Samo and Abdallah don't play in Division One, um, And we have some overage players that don't play in college at all um, who are here. But having a destination to kind of foster that talent to continue it so that they can, you know, if they want to be pro soccer players and they come through our system, awesome. If they mm-hmm. don't and they want to just come back and play like a guy like AJ who just graduated, then great. Or if you want to be a guy like Elder or Engel who played in a different team in Minnesota last year and didn't like the experience, we want to create that atmosphere for everyone. Um, but we're going to be looking to have, um, you know, a limited, uh, a limited trial period this time, you know, we'll still have an open tryout to kind of find that diamond in the rough. But I think gone are the days now of us having like multiple tryouts and having these guys play together for months at a time. I think it burned a lot of guys out. So we're going to, you know, look to maybe eliminate things and have two combines um, for the college guys over Christmas and spring break. And, you know, the overage players will have the opportunity to train with Stegmans in the off season. Um, but, you know, I, I know some of these guys work 40 hours a week and, and they're in the need of a break. So we need to give it to them. So you're dodging the question, John. When are we going to hear about signings for next season? <laughs> February? T- earliest next, beginning of next year? Um, I, would, I would honestly think that you're going to hear about a few of the overage players who are in, in town sooner than that. Okay. Um, I don't have a date. Um, I have to talk through 25 player interviews and it's going to be tough, especially with guys leaving for college next week. So it's going to be a long process. And also we have to talk to our coaching staff and, and see like, who do you want Them back? Too. Yeah. So it's not going to be an overnight thing. Um, I can tell you right now, I know of three guys who are absolutely hundred percent in for next year um, that are in town. Secondly, when does the search for a new stadium begin? If it begins at all. So the stadium uh, thing has been in the works uh, all season, actually, and we've been working on it. Um, but for some reason, it's super hard. People don't really care about this as much as we do. Shocker, <laughs> I know, right? Oh, you mean uh, like <laughs> other schools and things? Yeah, other schools, government organizations. They're like, who are these guys and what are they trying to do? So now we have one full year of proof of concept, so we can start shopping ourselves around for a better a better ground. Mm-hmm. Um, but let's not. Let's not lose sight of the fact that we can't take anything away from South. They were great for us yep. in year one. Um, you know, without them, we really had no team because we had to have a destination. So I think that you know, part of you know, we we, we crap all over our our field, um, <laughs> and the location I thought was well, great. Crapping on the field? <laughs> yeah, I mean, how do you think the grass grows? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's South Minneapolis. There's got to be some crap on that field. Um, so, you know, we, we, we 
short side our our, our field because the the conditions aren't the best, but they were a great home for us in year one. I kind of think it 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 suited us well, right? Like yeah, whatever. You know, like we just rolled that punch. So so that that conversation is still happening. I think. Cool. All right. Uh, so let's get to some staff and player reviews and awards. I think we've got, you and I have kind of been sharing our opinions of the staff and the players quite a bit over the course of the season on this, uh, on this here podcast, but you know, to make it officially unofficial, you know, we might as well hand out some of our fake awards, right? It's It's like when you, when you put your relationship status on Facebook. Yeah, (laughs) it's it's official somewhere. Yeah, (laughs) Uh, let's start with the coaching staff, man. I mean, your thoughts on on the coaching staff? Well, I thought like once I joined it, it really got better. I'm Uh, with you. (laughs) No, I'm just all joking aside. I think in year one of any team, coaching is crucial, and I think it was a huge task. Like you got to build the team, right? To build the vision, and we had no idea what we would be and the recruiting process was like, you know, we're casting a wide net. Mm-hmm. And I thought that the efforts that Keith put in early on were just like, I don't know how else to explain it than like kind of um, like miraculous because not only were we able to like build a team to like field, we were able to build a competitive team in year one that almost made the playoffs. Um, and, and, you know, not to even lose sight of the fact of the efforts that, that Jeremy put in and that Adam put in um, in their specific roles, um, kind of uh, uh, assisting Keith. And, um, you know, it was all incredible. I thought they did a great job. And you know, we put together legitimately the best group of amateur players we could have gotten in Minnesota, really only missing out on one player in Jackson Yule who had significant interest in playing with us. However, he had something called the U S national under 20 team to tend to. So it was like the clear no brainer for that kid. Right. Yeah. So I thought our coaching staff did great, you know? Yeah. Can we tighten some things up from an organizational perspective? So we have a a full-time training facility at home that we don't have to constantly be worried about moving. Um, you know, yeah, can we maybe lay the plan out a little bit better for our training sessions and our our focus going into matches? Um, you know, yeah, can we maybe be hitting our stride like the Bavarians and Toledo and even Crapids, I think, hitting their stride towards the end of the season instead of us hitting our stride in the middle of the season? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we can do all of that. But that's things that will we'll foster from this first year and, and the things that we learned. And And hats off to the coaching staff. I think they did a great job. So let's dive into the player reviews. Then we'll start with the with the guys that well, kept you, goal. What did you think of the of of the coaches? Me? Oh, what do I matter? Uh, <laughs> I thought uh, I'll tell you what, man. I thought I agree with you that I think at the start of the season, there's just so many connections and so many uh, so many relationships that that Keith had built with people throughout his career in Minnesota, where he was able to get a lot of response to these open tryouts and that you know that was coupled with the the great connections that you guys have through Stegman's that just like it was so awesome to see this pool of pretty much anyone who's anyone who's anyone that plays soccer in Minnesota come out to try to be on this team right. and and com- and I commend them for having to sift through all that talent and to put together the 
the best, most entertaining team possible. Uh, I have no doubt that they did that based on based on a criteria of you know what we want homegrown talent. We're not right. trying to get guys from from actually Croatia. And I think um, we're the only team in the league that actually has 100% homegrown talent. Yeah, it's some. It's definitely something to hang our hat on. And being uh, young, like we had a lot of we had a lot of a lot of eight balls in front of our our cue ball, right? Yeah, yeah, that's for sure. So I think you know I think. The other, the other coach I want to mention, or I just want to mention that I think Coach Jeremy was a great positive influence on the team. I think that you know from the start he had the right attitude about about how to you know get the guys motivated and get them together. I think that uh, you know tactically we've got things to learn and and we've got ways to to learn how to get these guys to to work better together. But in general, I think I just I'm just loving our philosophy. Yeah, no, I, I, I think we I think we echo each other's uh, sentiments. Yeah. So anyway, now for real under the player reviews. Okay, um, so goalkeepers. Goalkeepers. What do you think, man? Uh let's start off with number one. Uh, number one in, on his jersey, number one in our hearts. Uh Matt Elder. Um, you know, hats off of this guy, right? Yeah. Breaks his leg in in Detroit playing in the MPSL last year in front of like 5000 fans like the stars don't align for him there like probably the biggest game that he played with um the Minnesota Twin Stars last year breaks his leg in and almost less than a year later comes back and is like our rock right yeah. and not only just making saves and keeping us in games and being the career the the now uh, pace setter in career shutouts and minutes played and saves for our, our goalkeeping staff and in, in a benchmark that needs to happen in the future really wasn't unknown for some of us. And he, he put in the work and he got fit and he got back into, into, um, you know, where he was before he was injured. And, and I thought without a guy like that, um, on the field with his ability, um, leading that, that goalkeeping room, um, as far as uh, our, our goalkeeping staff is concerned, um, as well as off the field and just his general attitude. You've heard him many times on this podcast and in interviews. The the dude is all in on City, and we're lucky to have had him. Yeah, and to that's have for him sure. in the future. And he's just a great ambassador to, you know, when we get him out to all the happy hours and things, just talking to fans, talking to the kids, as much as, uh, you know, he's kind of a, kind of a surly dude. He, he really opens up to some of these kids and, you know, there's a lot of, he, he's doing a lot of chatting out there and I, I really appreciate that. So next we have, we have Mr. Whirling, Duncan, um, our UCLA bound Duncan Whirling. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought Duncan had both an up and down season, um, a lot of travel for him with the DA, a lot of weird, like he can't play yet because he's in the DA trying to win a win his spot um i think when it comes to talent wise he and matt are 1a and 1b however you want to slice it um i think what he has to learn is um going from being man boy to man man (laughs) (laughs) as far as his game is concerned and that he will learn that in college because you look at matt matt's Matt's gone through that already where Duncan, uh, Duncan has that to learn. And that's what one great thing was Matt as the leader in the clubhouse for the goalkeepers really, um, you know, provided that, um, you know, that, that tone for all of them. And they all got along, which was great. 
Um, but Duncan's got some things to learn. Maybe knock off that early early jitters that he has when he goes into games. Um, and, and and it'll come in college. It absolutely will come in college. So um, you know, I, I'm interested to hear your thoughts. Yeah, I'm with you, man. I think you know, it's as much as we kind of criticize him a little bit for not being as assertive as we need him to be when he's on the pitch. Uh, you know, it's definitely a different game out there, and it's different. It's different for him to s- step on the field and see a bunch of high school kids than it is right. to step on the field and see a bunch of grown men that are you know ten, that have ten years on him in some in some instances, uh, and be expected to to own the game like we expect a, a goalkeeper to. So it'll come, and hopefully we have him back next year. But if we don't, I know it's because he's on to bigger and better things. Right, one hundred percent agree. The next two guys in our goalkeeping room kind of get an incomplete because they didn't see any game action. Um, one big game, James. Um, James was our, our third string keeper. Um, spent majority of his summer being the number one for our um, our reserve team, Stegman City, um, who is one win away from winning the, the league title in our men's first division. So um, James put in a, a ton of work, um, you know, knew his role and his place in the in the clubhouse and Never a bad attitude, always supportive. Um, you know, came when he when he was needed, um, and and just did his job. And and you know, he he had a different full time job with from a soccer perspective with Stegman's, and he did that. So hats off to him. And then Chairman Hudeman getting his uh, almost <laughs> getting his debut in Madison when we thought Elder went down hurt. Um, you know, uh, you know, you you rewind the clock a few years, and and you'd th- you'd you look at. Um, you know, from a skills standpoint, uh, Mr. Hudeman being the leader in the clubhouse with, um, much like Matt was with his experience and, and his just natural ability to be a shot stopper and a commanding goalkeeper and a vocal leader. So, so that rounds out our, our goalkeeping staff. I thought, you know, yeah, we didn't win every game and you can, you can kind of point the finger at the last line of defense, which is always the goalie. Um, but I think, um, no matter who it was in net, um, gave us a chance to win. Yeah, I'm with you on that. Uh, on, and on the defense, talk, speaking of guys that give us a chance to win, I think our defense this year was was pretty spectacular. Uh, starting with, of course, the anchor of our back line and the captain of the team, Trey. Uh, man, with Trey, you know, quiet guy when we were talking to him early in the season. But, man, when he's on the field, he definitely asserts himself, doesn't he? Right. Total quiet leader. Um, you know, he's one of our captains with Matt and, um, and AO, who we'll get to in a minute. <clears throat> With Trey, you see the makings of a pro soccer player. He's got the size. He's got the ability. He reads the game dynamically from the back line. I I believe outside of the Fargo game, he played every minute of the season for us. Yeah. And that's hard to do when you're coming off a college season and then you have, what, like a week break and you're on a van to Des Moines for the preseason for us. And I thought – you know, hats off to him. Time after time, he bailed us out when it came, whether it was you know winning a winning a ball in the air or or picking off that that pass that a, a four was trying to slot to their their partner through a channel. Um, you know, really made it so that you know when a ball came through and it was one on one with Trey, everyone in the stands is like, oh, he's got this. Yeah, I was and never worried about, never about Trey worried. getting beat one on one. Um, you know, never really a bad touch. So played through awesome injury a little bit. So yeah, mm-hmm. awesome to have him. Um, hopefully, you know, he's one of those guys that can make that jump that you know we we would be happy to 
blessed to have him back, but if if not, we uh, we are are glad to have him on the books with uh, with City. Yeah. So speaking of guys that played with injury, uh, Nate Engel. Yeah, this I guy. Mean, this guy was limping around for felt like half the season, but he was still kind of a rock on defense, still a force in the air. You know, never. I don't think the guy ever lost a header. Right. I, I completely agree with you. I think with with a guy like him and and matching him with Trey, like that's a central back pairing that doesn't let a lot through. And like you said, he was injured throughout some of the season um, and played through it, didn't complain, just went out there, did his job against Milwaukee. On his birthday, we we asked him to play a central midfield role, and he just yeah. stepped, in it, stepped in and just did it and just did yep. it like a, like a boss and showed versatility, um, leadership. Um, again, a quiet guy, not going to go out there and start screaming at everyone and get him motivated. I'm sure he has the, he has that ability, but um, not what we asked for from him. We asked for him to do a job, and he did the whole season. Another guy that's quiet that I think the only thing I've ever heard him say was when he talked to you in an interview was uh, Abdallah Ba. Yeah. I think quietly this guy was probably the best outside defender in the league. He disgraced the team the the team of the week multiple times um and you talk about a consistent week-to-week all-star right this is it's official like the guy was probably made the team of the week for 50 percent of the season right and i think that um when it came to his play on the field um a one-on-one defender like lockdown right and, and nine times out of ten, he was facing a speedy forward or a speedy winger mm-hmm. and just constantly locking the guy, the guy down, just doing his job. Um, again, another quiet guy. Very rarely was I ever worried when a through ball came through that he wasn't going to get there. Positionally, always in the right spot. Um, you know, I didn't know much about him coming in. I, I heard he was silky smooth and just tenacious. Um, in his own fashion until I actually saw it. And wow. Um, yeah. Love to have that guy back and hope to get him back. Uh, and another guy I want to talk about real quick uh, that exceeded expectations, at least for me, is Aaron Olson. I think not to, uh, there were a lot of guys, not to disparage the Stegman's pool, but there were a lot of guys that, uh, you know, you kind of had sold as coming out of Stegman's that I thought, well, these are guys that kind of play on on your level, John, and maybe they have a maybe they have a bench or a reserve role on the team. But uh, Aaron Olson, man, this guy stepped up and was a total leader on the field, super vocal, and he could play any position on defense. And I would be I'd be happy to have him there. Right, and he was our third captain of the year, and and really earned it, played like it. Um... I would be surprised if in a foot race, any forward, maybe outside of Gerson, is going to gonna beat him to a ball. Yep. Um, much like Abdallah, locked down, never worried. Um, actually, you know, I'm sure he's going to hate this if, <laughs> when he listens to it. Played the entire season with a groin injury, and you would have oh. never, never known. Sorry, ladies. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that didn't make any sense. <laughs> uh, yeah. Weird. Um, but day in and day out, Came to training, worked his ass off, and made made a few teams of the week. One I think a little over uh, undershadowed um, by how great his 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 partners were back there that um, throughout the league. But uh, very rarely did you ever see um, him being the guy 
with his head head down chasing a forward who who put one in the back of the net. It was yep. it was it was very rarely ever his guy. Yep. Uh, and let's finish up defense with two guys that kind of joined us a little late, um, but we're still able to contribute. Uh, couple, first of all, Lance Lance Gaspar contributed uh, with a goal uh, in the Madison away game, which the was winner. great. Yep, the winner, and he's moving on to uh, to what school? Um, he's entering his second year at University of Dayton. Dayton, that's right. I knew it was something out, out east a little bit. Um, and then, of course, Emmanuel Brown, E-Man. Super happy to have this guy on the team. Like like you said, he kind of came into tryouts, made an impression, and then just kind of <laughs> melted away. Like, just walked off into the night, and we, we didn't see him for, maybe due to some communication issues, we didn't really see him on the field until until that Madison, that same Madison game that Lance scored. Uh, so it was great to have both those guys join us on a crucial away win, and I think they were able to both contribute in their own way uh, as the season rounded out, especially Emmanuel. I thought I was really impressed with this guy. Well, I mean, you look at both of them, and they're kind of like the, the either side of the coin, right? So it's like Lance is growing into his own, a former forward in high school, um, going playing, you know, a defensive role in college, and and then coming in with us and playing on the on the defense. And how do you un for both of these guys? How do you unseat Abdallah and Ao? Right? It's really through the through your play, and I thought. Both did a great job, whether it was coming off the bench or getting those spot starts. And for a guy like Lance, it's it's only a matter of time until he kind of is past that torch from one of these other guys. And the same with Emmanuel being, you know, more of a, a men's league player and 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 being around the block for a while, but just coming in and doing his job. Yeah, man. So on the midfielders. Yep. You're gonna you're gonna handle these. Yeah, Holy I mean, crap. there's like kind of 400 of them. So let's start off with Kevin <laughs> Kevin Hoof. So Kevin goes to um, University of Northern Michigan, and I thought um, with Kevin, we kind of played him at outside back a few times um, when we really needed to kind of attack a little bit and have a little more of attacking mind coming out of the back. Um, but be, he's he's an, he's I believe he's 19 years old, plays far older than he is on paper, and really stepped in and did exactly what we asked him to do. Um, great short-term memory, made, made a few mistakes. Um, you know, I talked to him in his end-of-the-season interview, and I said, you know, from the first day I saw him to when I saw him play uh, yesterday, just wow. Like, that guy has just grown, and that was kind of what we were looking for, fostering that growth potential. And I thought he did great. Um, you know, he was never asked to do something more than he could handle. And in some, some instances it, it looked like it was a little more than, you know, out kicking his coverage a little bit. Um, but he always performed and he, and he worked hard and he's, um, you know, we asked him to help out with this, you know, our segments team and in the first division and he's, he's come to every game and, he, and he's worked hard there and gotten more touches and it's shows that he's gotten better. Yeah. I think this is a guy that kind of came out of nowhere as the season ended to, to contribute. And it was, uh, it was good to see it kind of culminate on on Sunday with the game against the reserves as he got a good chunk of playing time swapping out for Connor and uh was able to was able to hold his own. And then you got Will Kidd. What do you say? What do you good, say about Will Kidd, man? Good at running. Good at running. <laughs> let's, let's bookend good at podcast. running, good at good at passing, good yeah. at shooting occasionally, good uh, at everything. Another guy like Kevin where didn't start every game, but I believe featured in every game outside of, of outside of maybe one. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Actually, no. I think he featured in all games. Mm -hmm. Um, Just lunch pail guy, goes to work. You can see why he was decorated in high school because being so physically gifted and it it just would overshadow high school players, um, I think has a little bit to learn from a technical standpoint, um, which he will, he will get in college and he's coming off of only his first year. Um, and when he told us on the podcast in the beginning of the year, he gained like 20, 20 pounds since he graduated high school and it's like (laughs) a solid muscle and he's just getting strong, worked super hard was, was a big bright spot for us. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, always awesome to see him on the field. Happy to see him score multiple goals over the course of the season. Um, he is your leading goal scorer in the first season in Minneapolis City. He is. Yeah. So, including the Fargo game? Including the Fargo game. is official. Will Kidd is your golden boot winner. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. That's unbelievable. Yeah. I would have thought it was, yeah, I guess that makes sense. That's, what, three or four goals? Four, yeah. Four, yeah. Edge out nice. Matthew. Yep. Yeah, he does it, Matthew. Huh. And then, All of right. course, not being selfish, set up Matthew and try to and set up Wexler. So he might have yep. even been the points leader. Um, then you have Goose. What do you say about Goose? I'll let you go first in this one. Yeah, I mean, you think like I said earlier in the season, you don't expect a kid to come straight out of high school and have this kind of an impact on a game with with grown men. I mean, the guy was. Always a threat, uh, whichever side we slotted him in on, and he demanded attention. Like first two, first two games that he that he featured in, he drew a penalty because he was so dangerous that he was probably going to score. Uh, you know, he's he's up and down the field, and it just just sucks. It's just a bummer that we lost him at the end right. of the season. The injury, injury cut his season short. Uh, I don't think I have any other statements um, other than echoing what you had. A man, uh, a boy among men in the beginning and then totally grew into his own. And, and I, I, he's one of the, one of the guys, like many of these guys, I look forward to following in the fall mm-hmm. and seeing if he gets some minutes at Indiana and how, how things work out. Um, and hats off to him. I, I thought he did great. Um, constantly a threat, like you said, and, and for his position, exactly what you want. And I, I, I keep saying it short term memory, constantly forgetting any mistakes he made and working hard to win the ball back and, and going at defenders. It, it's what you need from a uh, attacking wing player. Yeah. Um, next we have Ben Wexler who, uh, you know, around town is probably played on every men's team possible. <laughs> um, and uh, so blessed to have this guy in the mix, not only from a locker room perspective, very, very uh, Quiet leader, not necessarily he doesn't talk a lot, but mostly his demeanor, just kind of a laid back dude. Just you might catch him more at a fish show than you would on a soccer field. Um, <laughs> just chill dude who just is a wizard on the ball. And um, I thought our central midfield without a guy like him and just small in stature, but just like a big influence on on a lot of the guys we had in there that he played with as well as just on the outcome of our game and just making the team of the week in the first week, just putting in a shift against the Bavarians, I thought was really commendable. Um, and like, I hope we get him back next year. He would be one that I'd really, really be sad if we lost. Yeah, I'm with you. I think when I was looking to, in some of those games when I felt like the midfield was getting gummed up or that they felt a little too pass happy, a little too lackadaisical, I was looking for someone to get, get assertive, get mad, and it was always Wex. 
It was always Wex that would be chasing the balls down, shoving dudes out of the way, getting maybe a little dirty here and there. But uh, but you know, <laughs> you got just, to. Yeah, you got to if you really want to. You really want to make. You really want to make that midfield your own, and I was uh, super happy to see him score in in this our final game. Nice to see that. Nice to see that goal. Like I said, just disintegrated that ball, put it in the back of the net, <laughs> vaporized it. <laughs> um, in the next two, we have the brothers Forsgren, uh, Ike and Sam. Um, we'll start with the latter. Sam came to us late. Very decorated player. Comes off the off the bus from Europe and just scores two and sets up one in Madison. Yeah, um, just the hero of Madison. Yeah, just just Madison was our toilet that day, and he was the one taking the dump in it. <laughs> <laughs> just all over them. Um, a great player. Really wish we would have had him for the full season. Really yep. wish we were able to kind of build game plans around the guy. Um, you know, had to bow out in the game on Sunday due to just preventative injury measures and make sure he wasn't getting hurt before he went to school. Um, and in the, the brief glimpses we got of him, uh, man, it would have been awesome to have him the full year. But we had Ike, his brother, the full year. And, um, you know, you can call him the super sub, but the guy is uh, – he just came in and did, did work, and it was awesome to watch him play. Like, it's totally unassuming, just like, whatever, I'm just going to go play soccer today. And then, yeah. like, do his job. And then go home. Came in, did work, set goals up, scored goals. Uh, just not what we, not what I expected. I thought, I, I almost thought it was like a Mauer package deal. Yeah, like, With, oh, we Knowing nothing about how either of them played and just everything that we talked about Sam. is like, Sam's great, and we also, by the way, have his little brother. <laughs> Right, exactly. Um, <laughs> but uh, Ike turned out to be the more, uh, I feel, valuable player to us in the long run over, over a quarter span of games. I think Sam had that huge impact in the Madison game. But you know, over the span of the season, Ike was, Ike was a great addition. Right, totally agree. Um, the next guy, AJ, the beast from the East. Um, what do you say about AJ other than the fact that the guy sets the tone early when it comes from a physical standpoint? And it's kind of what we needed especially that holding midfield role, like just going through and just destroying guys, breaking up plays um, outside of, you know, I mentioned earlier on today that on the, on the cast here that he got box to box and was really pushing that, that offensive minded midfielders forward, including getting into the attack himself. And I thought that's what we missed throughout yeah. a lot of the season, especially not having the next guy who will go over the full year. But AJ is AJ and there's not, you know, you, you just wait for the moment in the game when he throttles a guy. <laughs> just just the the forearm. Just you can always hear that slap when yep. AJ runs up on someone and just levels him. And that was my favorite. Uh, I did I did really like this guy. Loved his play. I thought he was always one step away from from bailing us out of big time trouble. Mm-hmm. Just when I thought like things were getting out of hand, AJ shows up out of nowhere and boots that thing to the side. Um, but also, I thought he was most dangerous and probably the scariest for the other team when he started moving upfield right when all of a sudden he got his momentum behind him and it was like a bull charging up the field and you just did not want to get in his way and it was it was always cool to see aj play totally agree um the next guy max stiegward um you know it it's it's unfortunate that we didn't have him for the full season um due to his obligations outside of um outside of city, whether it be playing with Paraguay's under 20, which you're like, wow, we have a youth international on our team. But the guy was such a bright spot when he played. 
um, maybe a little too much side to side at times. Um, but when he did get forward and he's not like AJ, he's not going to blow you apart. Um, but he's, he's the other side of the game that we liked about AJ, which was the going forward part from your defensive midfield. Mm -hmm. And, um, I mean, I don't have anything more to say about the guy other than, wow, um, he is going to be a serious player if he continues to progress. Yeah, man, would have been nice to see him uh, a little more, but the glimpses we got of him were great. He did score two goals for us, so thankful for, yeah. for Max to be on the team. Hopefully, he hopefully he finds success down at Louisville even even more. Right, Louisville. Right, right. and I think if, if you if you hearken back to his first year at Louisville, it kind of speaks to what we saw in that um, he played. In, I, I think he featured in seven, six or seven games at Louisville. And it was all end of the year. So it took him a little while to kind of get going with the team he was in. And I thought you saw that with us. It was like it took a while to be like, who's this Max kid? And then you're like, wow, Max can ball. And mm-hmm. I, I think that's that's what we learned out of Max. The next, Connor Stevenson. Connor was kind of in and out of the, the team. Um, you know, did a lot of his summer with um, his under-19 team. So it was kind of, kind of like I said, came in and out. Um, but scored a big goal in his homecoming and um you know he's decorated he was mr minnesota soccer um did some serious work for loyola um is a teammate of ike's in in college um and uh, another guy that i think if he continues on the trajectory that he's on uh, um, is another guy that we'd love to have back totally totally another like you said um you know just a young kid and i was happy to see him show up this last game and make an impact. I think that was something that I was missing out of him. I mean, he did start our first game in, in Milwaukee and I thought, oh man, this guy might be a little too, it might be, he might be out of his league here. A little green. But, uh, you know, yeah, a little green for us, but man, he, he showed his worth here near the end of the season. Definitely a kid that developed pretty well. Yeah. And I think the next person you can talk about too, developing well is, um, the, the, he's like Pele. He's got one name, Steve. Steve, I love it. <laughs> Ian Smith, um, who I don't know if he is the youngest player on the team, but um, another high school kid who featured in a lot of games, um, didn't necessarily start outside of Madison where we had, you know, everyone who listens to this knows what happened to Madison. Um, but another MTA product who he's going to Green Bay next year. It's going to be in his first college season. I think will um, that MTA disease, we call it, um, of – more side to side and 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 less direct going forward will kind of be um I don't want to say beaten out of him but um it'll be it'll less, it out of him. it'll it'll be less it'll yeah it'll work through uh, when he gets to college but I mean another guy that we can kind of hitch our wagon to in the future is you know if he comes back and it's it's that opportunity for us to see him grow um, as a player and I mean it's it's like we talked about with the defenders kind of tough for a guy like Steve to unseat um, you know Max who's a little bit older than him you know a year or two and then AJ right mm-hmm. you know how, yeah, he's still, I think he still got some serious playing time uh, you know he did start a couple times I thought but either way even if he, for games he didn't start he was he featured prominently yep and he's on the books with Stegman's old boys he played with us last week oh. <laughs> so there's there's that if he, if he never comes back he's on the books with segments um 
Then we have Ryan Camerata, who saw kind of limited action, too, coming off the bench. Segman's guy um, was man of the match in the Fargo game, the Summit Keg match, scoring two goals. Um, yep. Just uh, another guy who we relied upon from a from an experience standpoint, came in when he could and uh, and did his thing. And, um, you know, nothing flashy, but uh, just doing his job. Yeah, well, I mean, what do you say? This is kind of the... You get, this is the epitome of you know you get contributions from everywhere when you're when you're a team that recruits like we do. Right, and it was good of him to good of him to be able to help us out. I know he did feature in a couple of our early games, and then we didn't really see him until Fargo. But when he when we saw him in Fargo, bam, we saw him. We really saw him. <laughs> We've got a whole lot of Ryan Camerata. Yeah, in that he game. sure we saw him. Yep, exactly. And then the last two guys from a midfield perspective, and then I'll stop talking for a little while. Um, was uh, was Jack. Uh, Mylar, Myler, Myler. I always get it wrong. Um, <laughs> unfortunately for us and for Jack, um, ankle injury early on, and in when he joined us, that kind of put him out for most of the summer. And then he kind of featured at more of a central back role. We needed uh, kind of a little bit more of an attacking minded center back. Um, and uh, you know, he's going he's going into his, uh, I believe, his second year at Harvard. Um, Another guy, I, I haven't had my full exit interview with him, but I talked to him a little bit about, you know, kind of how he thought things went. And another guy who's all in on on making this a thing again, I, I believe. Um, it'd be great to see him in more of that kind of role that AJ and Max play. However, we figure that out. We're, we're definitely blessed with a lot of central defensive midfielders, which is yeah. um, usually a position you don't have a, a, a strength in. But um, another guy who just... When he, when he could play, went in, did his job. Not going to blow your doors off, but does his job. Um, and then Luke Hackinson, who only f- figured in in one competitive game. Another guy like um, like Sam Forsgren, who erring on the side of caution um, going into college um, with, with a little bit of an injury. We didn't want to risk anything for him uh, personally. Um, the, that guy is good at soccer. And, <laughs> I mean, um, he you can tell – Product of Shattuck, you can tell he played soccer every day, um, and is going to be so dynamic in college. He's going to Creighton, one of the best best teams in the country, probably one of the most decorated of all of the of the recruits that we have that are coming off of our team. Um, would have loved to see him more in the summer. Yeah, I think uh, it was great to see. Jack finally arrived on the scene, and I think his decision making was there. I think his he was able to physically compete with the with the teams we played against. Would have been cool to see him a little earlier, but big kid, big kid. Uh, but he was, but also another one of those guys like like Goose, like Steve, young dude who's just super well spoken and really happy to uh, happy to be part of the team. And then Luke, like you said, wish we saw more of him. Uh, talked to his dad briefly. That's about as good as it gets. That's about as good as I got with you know with Luke. But uh, yeah, hopefully we'll see him again. Uh, we did miss Samo. We missed out on Samo. Oh yeah, Samo. How do you feel about Samo? Um, I don't know. Man. I thought um, out of out of the 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 bright spots of the year when it comes to a, a learning curve, I thought Samo had a really big one. Um, being that he's a attack attacking minded central midfielder, which we're kind of low on outside of Wexler and yeah. then Luke and Sam Forsgren who came in late, we relied heavily on Samo who featured in almost every game for us this summer. Um, and he's a division three player and 
you look at Division One versus Division Three, and you think, you know, oh, they must not be good enough. He's absolutely good enough to play at the highest level in college. Um, just found his niche in Division Three, and I would, you know. I would be hard pressed to not believe that when it comes to him outside of playing with us, that he's not going to be highly decorated in college as he gets older. I mean, the guy has the vision and the offensive mind that a lot of the guys that come out of this area don't have because they're more side to side, backwards, keep possession, where he is more of a risk taker. And and you can tell he is of Spanish descent because he plays like a Spaniard. He's he's he wants to keep the ball, but he and. He goes forward when he when he wants to make smart decisions forward versus just going forward to kick the ball and go forward. Yeah, uh, I've been a huge fan of Samuel since we interviewed him. I thought he had a lot of pretty good things to say. He seemed like a pretty chill dude. I think my only knock on him is that he never he never held up his end of the bargain. He never yeah. held up his end of the bet. The this boss. Guy was supposed, he was supposed to cut his hair like the boss and straight ignored us. I know, I know. And he still had some. <laughs> he still. I mean, he still had a, a pretty sick flow throughout the season. So yeah, can't can't blame him for wanting to keep that those luscious locks. Yeah, like uh, you know, <laughs> by the time he has to get the entertainment value once in a while. By the time I end my relationship with Sam Ruiz Plaza, he will cut his hair into the Bosworth if it kills me. <laughs> <laughs> Let's move on to the forwards. We only have uh, three dedicated forwards on our team. We had some guys that were able to move into attacking roles, but uh, the three on the, on the team. We'll start with Tim Willis. Uh, Tim is your boy from from Stegman's. Tim was kind of a a rock that was able to come in when we needed him. And and didn't he come to Ma- did he come to Madison with us too? Played, played the full ninety in Madison. Played ninety full ninety in Madison, which is tough for an old man. Well, he's not really old. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. You know, it, it, we joke with like Elder because he's the eldest statesman in the in the goalkeeping room. But, he's like four. Yeah, yeah. We say, like, oh yeah, he's like twenty eight. No, he's he's twenty four. Same with Tim. Like Tim looks <laughs> wiser beyond his years, more seasoned. But Tim's um, just a great forward when it comes to holding play up, and that was a job that we we find we found often with our our forwards that they had to hold the ball up because yeah. that link up with our defense wasn't there at times. Um, just did what we asked him to do. And another, like I said, another member of segments who, or like you said, another member of segments who is just came in and did work. Yep. Uh, the next guy on my list who I admittedly have been a little hard on this season is Matthew Gway. I think he came highly touted. I was pretty excited for, to see his play. And then he shows up and starts scoring a goal real quick, uh, which was awesome. And then kind of fell off the table, sort of disappeared. So I was a little bummed about that. And, uh, you know, at least he finished strong. He scored a goal with us the end of the at the end of the season here. I think my big knock on him was maybe just a little too dependent on that attack coming for, towards him, and maybe a little less willing to go back for the ball and and to kind of do his own thing. I think he kind of hung out a little a little too much at the top of the pitch for my you liking. Know, but mine with uh, my only knock on uh, on Matthew was that um, first off, great guy. Great guy. Um, personally, went through a lot in his life to get where yeah. he is today. Um, and you know, coming from you know from Africa and and having the the problems he had with his family and and just everything going on over there. Um, but I think with my knock on him is he he needed to be more dynamic off the ball, and I think he he finally was, and that's what mm-hmm. we saw him in in the last game. And 
I mean, he's another guy I'd love to have back, right? Like one more year of that guy would be great because we can game plan for him. Yeah. Uh, and speaking of guys that we, would be great to have back, I think Andy Laurie, kind of the heart and soul of the offense on this team, uh, in the mouth of the offense on this team as well. <laughs> good, good to know this guy this year. Uh, great to see him have a have a couple of really good games, good goal scoring game uh, against the reserves, I believe it was. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, always nice to have a solid leader uh, on the other end of the pitch from uh, from Matthew. I mean, locker room That's guy. Better, you, you look up locker room guy in the in the encyclopedia that you have on your bookshelf, and you see a picture of Andy Laurie, right? Yeah. Like the guy, great interview, great guy, great at soccer, just someone you need to have on your team. And we were so lucky to have him throughout the summer. All right, so let's jump into the player rewards. And I just want to remind everyone, these are highly unofficial and very editorial Um John, are the team, is the team going to announce official awards this year? Um, we do like an end-of-the-year party and award ceremony with Stegmans as a club, and I think what we'll probably do is couple that together when these guys are back so that mm-hmm. we kind of have like an all-club because we are all one. Um, you know, So I think that's what, uh, what we'll end up doing again this year. But I have to talk to the, the powers that be to see if that's going to be the case. Makes sense. So, so, yeah, dive into it. All right, man. So we'll start with Young Player of the Year. This award is uh, very pretty specific, so it's going to be pretty obvious who this goes to. Right, Only and a I, couple we, guys could qualify. Right, we we have a young player of the award, you know, and and it, it's it's definitely for the young player of the year, the the one that we we give the you know the the most recognition to, and I think, it, like you said, hands down, um, it goes to the guy who we've already talked about. Um, as being a surprise and and a, a blessing, and that's Goose. And yep. there, there's not really much more to say than the guy earned it out of all the young players um, in the limited time before he got injured was our best attacking player. That's for sure. How could it not be Goose? Right. Uh, next up is the most improved player. Right. Um, this one, again, you don't need a whole lot of definition. <laughs> um, but this guy, I thought, and I mentioned it earlier on from the beginning of the season when I first saw him to the end um, in our last game against Minnesota United, I thought um, constantly did what we asked him to do um, and you know had some, some spots where was asked to do maybe some things that were a little bit more than his pay grade, um, mm-hmm. but, uh, but definitely did what he needed to do um, in those opportunities, and that's Kevin Hoof. And I think that... Uh, Another year of college and a continued growth pattern of what we've seen, um, you know, he, he's going to be a really big bright spot for us. Yeah, man, I agree. Next up is breakout player or a surprise player of the year. Um, you know, I'm going to let you take this one, I think. I think we both agree on this one 100%. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, we've both got Max down. I think E-Man, Emmanuel Brown, deserves a mention mm-hmm. as someone who, you know, I think would is a surprise. Uh, but, you know, Max Tegwert, we've we've said it a couple of times, who knew this guy was so smooth? Right. So smooth. So good. Um, like all of them, hope he comes back next year. I think he is a guy who, um, you know, puts a little muscle on, becomes a lot like a player like Wexler, but um, a little more... Um, you know, defensive-minded than than Wex might be. Yep. Uh, offensive MVP. We've got three MVP categories. Offensive being, of course, the most exciting of them all. 
That's got to go to our golden boot winner, doesn't it? It absolutely does. I think, um, you know, you talk about Goose being our big bright spot. He didn't play the whole year, but this guy did. Um, and just the engine, the, the, I don't even want to call it the little engine that could, just the engine that never stopped. And that was Will Kidd, who um, constantly going forward in the attack, whether it be from the wing, where we moved him into the middle, um, and, you know, just through sure will, no pun intended, <laughs> was always around the ball when it came yep. into the offensive third and scoring the most goals for the team. Uh, <coughs> saved, me. saved our butts a couple times, once in Cedar Rapids. Yeah, exactly, and just did his thing and gonna go gonna go back to Illinois and go play for Bradley and do his thing there, and that's all you can ask for in a player. Just do your job, and, and he did it very well this summer. He likes to run. Yep. All right, good, defensive good MVP. Now, we've got a tie here for defensive MVP. Yes. We have a tie in in two players who – it was because we couldn't really figure out which one was actually better. Um, you know, <laughs> the, the pros and cons list were, were um, you know, very alike, and that's Trey and Abdallah. And that's not to take anything away from any of our other defenders. These two guys just just did their thing all yeah. year. I mean, yep. I don't know if there's any more you want to add to that. It's it's no, tough. I mean, we said it. We said it before. Trey was always a rock back there, and Abdallah won player of the or uh, won team of the week awards for maybe four or five weeks, half the season. So mm-hmm. that's not too bad. Not too shabby. And then our most decorated of all awards, <laughs> the most honorable of all the honors, as far as the eye can see in the award cabinet goes to our team MVP. And I'll let you, uh, you take this one. Yeah, man. I think it's gotta be Matt elder. I think as the guy that's the heart and soul of the team, uh, always vocal on the field, always happy to represent Minneapolis city off the field. I think the guy, uh, you know, wanted to forge strong relationships with both the fans and of course with, with his fellow players. And, and it really showed, and uh, I think for all those reasons, Matt's got to win Team MVP. I think so. Not to mention that he was statistically the best keeper in the in the league for most of the season. Right. I think I, I can't echo your statements any stronger. I think the the one thing I'd like to mention, I mean, on the field, did his job. We talked about him coming back from his injury. Did a, did a great job of doing that. Um, but I think the the one thing that stands out for Matt when you talk about the off the field leadership role and and really being the rock of the team was after every game making sure that the guys they're tired win or lose um, we're going to to give a, a shout to the fans who came out to watch him play and yep. I thought that was it was very respectable and um, and hats off to Mr. Elder um, you know I know when you listen to this you'll do a little little silent fist pump and then. Uh, and then do some sort of dynamite drop in when it comes to interview time next time we talk to you. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully. So Nate, it's been a full season. Yep. Not, to, not to get corny or um, and sentimental, but this has been a great ride, man. Um, especially you know with you by my side uh, as far as what we've been doing on this podcast. Tell me your best moments or moment of the season on this show. You know. What were you thinking from day one when I asked you to do this with me? Um, what's changed, and you know, what do you what do you take away from this exposure to the game? It's a little bit deeper than you know going to your your son's you know youth matches or playing <laughs> FIFA or watching your beloved Arsenal. Did, did I teach you anything? Yeah, well, I think two things have changed. First of all, it's it's amazing to be part of a part of an organization and a fan of an organization that gives you such. Uh, great access to the 
players it's got to kind of the heart of how everything works i think even if i wasn't on the podcast you'd still feel a deeper connection obviously to these guys because you're they're they're us they're one of us man all of them are are us and uh you know it's different definitely different than cheering for arsenal or definitely different than cheering for united even that these guys are all local dudes that you know we get to know and get to meet and get to shake hands with on a weekly basis and uh it's it's just been awesome to get to know them and to be fans, to become fans of them. Um, but awesome. as far as as far as doing the show, I think uh, you know it's always this has been fun from the beginning, and it's just great to learn week in and week out how decisions are made on the field and how our tactics kind of affect uh, you know the outcome of the game. It's it's one thing to sit back and say, oh, I think this guy probably should have played harder. So it's another thing to say, like, to try to break it down and learn how to break it down, to say, like, we got beat over the top, or we they had us on set pieces over and over again. You know, that kind of stuff is uh, has been fun to, fun to learn, and I hope to do it again next year. Well, uh, I'm in charge of, of your contract, so you will be renewed <laughs> if you choose to, uh, choose to sign that contract. I think... You know, I don't want to. I don't want to make this answer all about me because um, I try to do that often. Um, but my favorite <laughs> moment was uh, our road trip to Madison um, with you and and the, the totally unairwave related trip that we took. Yeah, just, just two dudes listening to a couple fish concerts on the ride. <laughs> that was um, sweet. I agree that you know, you know I, being, I think the Madison trip in general from right. a game standpoint and a podcast standpoint was my favorite as well. I mean, being what seemed like the only two straight men um, eating lunch together during Pride Weekend <laughs> <laughs> down at the mall in Madison before the match, um, to you sitting on the bench drinking beer and heckling the players um, <laughs> while I helped Jeremy coach or the, the two and a half hour you know ride back where I pinch hit and drove for you in your car when that crazy moth attacked me while we were on going 70 miles miles an hour down the freeway and, and, you know on 94 i think folks that is the magic that I, that uh you can't take away from this podcast you know i thought it was that was an awesome trip yeah man i agree well next week uh it's gonna probably be our last show for a while but we're gonna definitely get a member of the team in studio we want to kind of go over their their thoughts and their feelings on how the season panned out maybe a game by game breakdown with some inside takes from a player standpoint maybe get some some hot takes that we hadn't heard before. Now that uh, the season's over, maybe they can open up a little bit. A little inside baseball. Inside baseball. Hey, but also, really, we would like to thank Summit Brewing Company for being with us all season. Uh, it's been it's been a long process to get to get this team on its feet, and uh, they were there and, the whole way. And successful, and Summit was with us the whole way. So definitely, from the suds they provided uh, to the opportunity for us to say things like like Zinger beer. <laughs> German words. Uh, <laughs> the Summit has been a great sponsor. So please remember that they are turning 30 this year, and uh, they're not too far off from the biggest party that they have ever thrown. Uh, the Backyard Bash, Saturday, September 10th. Go online to summitbrewing.com for more information on all the awesome bands, uh, the beers they're going to be serving, and the tickets. Hey, if you want to get a hold of us, uh, hit us up at mcscpodcast at gmail.com. Maybe you've got maybe you, t- you took umbrage to our awards. Maybe you like to mention other players as someone that uh, maybe deserves some some respect. You can tweet at us, tweet at the team at MPLS City SC, uh, tweet at John at Johnny Business with 
two N's, two Z's, and two S's, or tweet at me, at Mexinate. And that is all for this week. One more full week left before we slice this bitch up into about a once-a-month thing during the off-season. Uh, hey, we're going to just leave you as usual with our boys from Go Get Em Tiger. They're going to blast us into outer space with cheat codes. Thanks for listening, everybody. I am Nate, as always, joined by John. Hello and goodbye. Enjoy. Good day, people of Minnesota and elsewhere. Forever. Forever and ever. <laughs>